Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. Rounding up the latest news and letting you know what's going on in the world of Star Wars. My name's Gary, one of your hosts for this week. And I'm back this week. I had a bit of a uh, a bit of a dicky tummy last week. I wasn't in the mood. Mark was like, I can't believe you're doing this. But don't worry about it. I've got the show on my big broad shoulders. I'll carry it as usual. It's all good. So I felt a little bit bad, but I'm back this week, so I'm feeling much better. Uh, my co-host in the Falcon this week, he's looking slightly different. I think the lockdown has got to his head just ever so slightly, because now he's gone from that kind of nice roguish Han Solo bounty hunter kind of look to a kind of George Michael stubble sort of fresh, fresh look. So joining me as always, Mr. Mark Asquith, how are you doing? It was the Tiger King. So I did a Tiger King handlebar moustache like Joey Exotic so that I could I could make Sam laugh. Because that's the key to a woman's heart is making them laugh very. Um, because women are turned on by what they hear. So I made a laugh. Did a Tiger King beard. Turns out they're not turned on by what they see. A uh, little office quote there from Keith, of course. So I did a Tiger King, guys. <laughs> Left that for about five minutes, then did a moustache, left that for about five minutes, then realised that, oh crap, in order to remove said moustache, one has got to remove entire facial hair. And then I realised a couple of things. Number one, I've put some weight on. Number two, I do not look good without a beard. So I'm trying my best to grow it back, but it's taking that long, dude. Like, I'm not a testosterone fueled male like you. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like Babu Frick. You know, <laughs> you're like, I am, you're like Chewbacca, I'm Babu Frick. I've got the little moustache. So that's what, that's what's been going on this week, dude. But welcome back. I'm glad you're all right. What's good for the listener, of course, is that there's someone back on the show now that talks at a normal pace, actually has breaths between sentences and thinks before he speaks. So this is why we've got such a good balance. <laughs> I just press, press record and don't stop talking. You actually think about what you're saying. So it's good to have you back, dude. We might have a more balanced show this week. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. I think there's been many, many a person in my life that have said the opposite to what you've just said. But thanks, dude. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you're feeling better as well, bloody Genos. Genos, yeah. Makiki babe. Cat meat, innit? Oh, don't even, don't even. Did you watch Little Britain sketch on uh, that big night in the big other night day? In, yeah, it's great, wasn't it? It was hilarious. Now, Andy, what do you want to eat? <laughs> Bat. <laughs> I was just in pieces. I was like, there, no way. Like, Little Britain is back. They just consistently say the things that no one thinks they should be saying. It's hilarious. Yeah, they're so good, those guys. They're a bit like, um, they're a bit like South Park back in the day. Remember South Park when it first came out? Mm-hmm. It, they just offended everybody and just didn't hold back. 
they've kind of got that thing going on where they'll they'll just go after everything every every subject that's controversial they'll just go it's so yeah that was great that was what do you want to do it's hilarious well if you go back and watch like little britain the first ever seasons that came out like they are astoundingly funny mm. but you just look at them now through the lens of being like mid to late 30s both in his 30s and you just think how the heck did they even get this past the BBC? It's on the BBC. You know what I mean? This is not Channel 4. It's amazing. It is so good. So that's you know, that's been my week in Star Wars. <laughs> Your week in Star Wars is watching the Big Night In. Yeah. I haven't done much either, dude. I've caught up with a few more of the Clone Wars stuff. So I still haven't got onto the new ones. This is horrific news yeah. for Star Wars fans. Is, I, I appreciate that. But I don't know. I think it's your fault. If I'm being 100% honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we, spoke about, yeah, we spoke about it a few shows back now, maybe about a month ago. And we and you asked me, you said, so what are you going to do, Gaz? Are you going to, you going to dive straight into the new ones or are you going to go through the chrono watch and when you get to them, you know, I was like, okay, I might do that. So now I, I can't backtrack on that because of my OCD. I, I can't just stop the, the rewatch going through, go to the new ones and then go back to the rewatch. I just can't do that, mate. So thanks for that. No, I'm the same. I'm 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 in the same quandary, dude. Cause I mentioned it last week. Ethan at work, he mentioned that the last, well, the first two of the last the last four episodes, the first two of the last four episodes of Clone Wars, like apparently just outstanding. It's like big Revenge of the Sith crossover, um, and then he dropped some more spoilers this week in our team call. I'm like, thanks, dude. <laughs> but it just sounds badass. Like the whole, you know, Dooku. And Grievous attacking Coruscant and kidnapping Palpatine takes place. And you just think, oh my God, like this is really, it's it's like a Lego brick. You know, when you got one of those little four point Lego bricks and you, you need to build a wall, you like, you overlap two of them so that they're nice and strong. Like That's this it. is what's going on in the Clone Wars. It's overlapping. So everything's much stronger. And I'm just like, oh my God, I need to get to it. But instead, instead, I've got to go and watch the Toy Darian episode oh. hack and i'm just trying to get through it i'm like come on so i'm with you dude ocd is a killer yeah it is man it is but it's in a, in another way it's worth the watch it's such a great show it is it, it is. is and i think it'll make the ahsoka arc better and anakin's fall better when it finally comes you know apparently there's a lot of that going on at the minute in in the season seven apparently darth maul's kind of uh teasing ahsoka with a, some some anakin darkness which i think is quite fascinating i'm just, I, I can't avoid talking about it, so sorry, everyone. Thanks, Ethan, for ruining it. <laughs> yeah, well, I sympathise because I'm like that with you. Like, cheers, dude. If you hadn't have swayed me, then I would have cracked on with season seven. And um, yeah, I jest, of course. Love you, man. Oh, no, uh, I was joking as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Whatever. Anyways, before we crack on with episode 53 remember to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on just do a search for spark of rebellion or head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen our awesome podcast host captivate.fm knock up this awesome little page for us you might have heard of them captivate pretty cool they knock up yeah this, um, all right yeah they knock up this really cool page where it just lists out all of the popular podcast app so you just click the button off you go everything's there nice and easy that's a good idea really the good person that thought of that is charmingly good looking wow yeah yeah i think um i think when that person who came up with that idea had the full-on beard 
the strength was in the beard. But, mm. you know, now that they've shaved it off, they probably need to get that back. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, got to be growing that back quickly. Otherwise, everything's going to go wrong. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so go and do that. Subscribe to the to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. We're also on the socials as well. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go and uh, connect with us over there. We chat plenty of Star Wars during the week, post lots of little tidbits. And um, yeah, we've got a great community there. And if you want to support the show, if you like what we do, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. You can jump on from various tiers there, get yourself some swag and support the show generally. We can put it back into the show to make sure we give you the, the best podcast we can around Star Wars. And thank you so much to our existing patrons. We love you guys. Um, yeah, just thank you for the continued support. It's very, very cool. Did you see that we got to the bottom of Phil Mahomey Derek last week? Oh, Derek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Big shout yeah. out, Phil Mahomey Derek. We, yeah. I was that made my week that getting on top of that and just settled me. You know, just settled me during these tumultuous times. I was like, I need to get to the bottom of this mystery. So thanks, Derek, for for getting back in touch on that one. A big shout out. Like I said last week as well, I'm going to mail out your swag as soon as I can get to the swag. Um, so I might. I might have to go down to the studio this week. So if I do, I'm going to steal you some stickers, Derek, and I'll stick them in the post for you, dude. Um, so thanks for bearing with us on that bloody COVID-19. Again, ruining lives. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head over to the office, incognito. Ninja star. Incognito. Yeah. Yes, so yeah, thank you very much, Derek, and our other patrons for uh, supporting the show. Love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, first up, dude, we're going to talk about Daisy Ridley. And she's playing the blame game, dude. She's playing the old blame card. I think she had it. Oh, in she's not got the. Uh, she's she's not been texting Ryan Johnson, has she? She might have done. Readers, Johnson. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> yeah, all right. How are you? Yeah, not bad. That Twitter's a bit of a dick, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, Jono. It is. Go on. What's she been up to? Yeah. So, with the with the lackluster reviews and love for the. Uh, for the rise of Skywalker. Daisy Ridley has blamed social media in general for the not-so-great scores and critic reviews and all that jazz. And basically what she's saying is, and I, I can't tell if she's got a point here or not, struggling, I can't tell if she's, she's, she's actually making a, a point here or whether she's just trying to look for something, where she's basically said that when the first film came out, and a, to a degree, The Rise of Skywalker, I suppose, but definitely the first film. She said that there was a load of love for everything. Everybody, it was well received. And whenever she did interviews about it or whether she went to Star Wars Celebration, the fans were just really up for it. You know, everything was great. And now she's saying that when January rolled around after the dust had settled for The Rise of Skywalker, that it just felt weird. And she said, where's the love gone? She said she watched the documentary the making of the Skywalker legacy, which I think is out with one of the, I think it's on the rise of Skywalker Blu-ray set, I think in one of the discs. And she said that watching that, you know, it brings back a lot of memories. She said, there's so much love involved, everybody, the crew, the cast, the film was made with so much love and everything was cool. And now she's just wondering like, where's all that love gone from the fans? She's like, you know, force awakens. It was all there. Everything was lovely. And now she's, yeah, she's basically saying that because of social media, that's kind of that negativity has spread, I suppose, and everybody jumps on the bandwagon and all that. So, yeah, she's basically saying that the love's gone and it's down to the socials. I don't know if she's got oh, a point or not because it does, sometimes it does fester. You do have a bit of a, 
uh, a bit of a train going on where you have a few, a small group of people that say this is crap and everything, and then you have other people jump on it, and then before you know it, you've got a pandemic. Uh, what do you reckon, bud? Socials are to blame? Well, I reckon you've always got, like, knobheads. You know, you've always got knobheads on social media that, that think... Aaron Mankey goes on about this a lot. So he's the creator of Law, uh, the podcast that was turned into a TV show. He's a really sound guy. Um, and just a very... He's a bit... Like, he's a bit Ricky Gervaisy in that he calls out a lot of BS and really separates subjective from objective, which is... I think that's a talent in itself. And he goes on about this, where just because you enjoy something and you're fascinated by it and it, you're a fan of it, doesn't mean it's yours and that you own it. And he always goes on about that. And that, that whole kind of toxic fandom, which we saw with Kelly Marie Tran in The Last Jedi, like those knobheads will always exist in every single franchise. Like the keyboard warriors, you know, if you got them, if you got them all into a pub they'd all be your best mate because they're all just like, you know, the, a lot of them are just little pussies. So the point is that there's always that very vocal faction of any fandom that, uh, that believes that just because you have access to an internet connection and have a keyboard and the ability to type, you are somehow empowered to do so, even if what you're doing is very, very toxic and it's not very well justified. So there's always that. But then on the flip side of it, You've got to, th it's, it's, the, it's the age old problem that we always come back to with, with this version of Star Wars, which is that because of the legacy of Star Wars, six films preceding Force Awakens, the, the way that the canon was kind of retconned and just dismissed, and it, which I, I agree with, I'm, I'm glad they did that. I think that was the right move. And then how the following three films have played out, or four or five films, actually, if you look at Solo and Rogue One, if you look at how they have played out, it's very different to how Star Wars was. You know, it's corporate now. It's corporation running this thing. Whereas even back in the day when they were making the prequels, it was still Lucas doing his thing. So it's this Star Wars has this really weird balance of, yes, knobheads will exist. Of course they do. They always do. But then at the same time, we know that Disney has not treated it in the way that you would treat a franchise of that magnitude. You know, getting in three different directors with three different visions, no real cohesive story, last-minute chops and changes at the most base level of story. You know, you start to wrap all these things up and you kind of see why the backlash occurs. So I think one of the, I think the point I'm getting to is there's a, there's a difficulty for fandom in separating actual, genuine, justified, objective backlash from the Star Wars fans that are just plain twats who will just not like anything that comes out. Yes. Because yeah. it's not there, it's not a new hope or empire, you know? So I think that's the challenge. And I think you're right. Like Daisy, 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 Daisy like Daisy, like I know her. She's probably got a point insofar as, you know, why has all this love gone at least? Like if you're going to slate it, at least do that with a little bit of like objectivity. You know, I think that's sort of when you distill out what she's saying, I think that's kind of the point she's trying to get to is that, look, the criticism, fine, but let's at least base it on the actual criticism of the film, not just the, oh, it's crap. It's not a new hope. You know, it, what, like, what a balance to try and strike. It's tough, that one. It really is tough, that. 
Yeah, it is a tough one. And I think because the overall opinion of episode nine is so vastly different from all the other films as well, that also plays into what you were saying is like, are there genuine objective reasons for fans saying, I don't like it versus fans just saying, well, I don't like it for the sake of not liking it just because I'm not a fan of the whole Disney star Wars era for us. So on rotten tomatoes, the last Jedi has got 92% rating force awakens 93% rise of Skywalker's down at 52. So there's a, you can see that there's a genuine, there's a, that's a chasm. That's a huge difference in terms of star Wars films. But aren't the, um, aren't the rotten Tomatoes scores, really the almost the exact opposite from last jedi to rise of skywalker in terms of critics versus fans yes so it's like the correct. exact opposite isn't it yeah uh, and this brings us on to a piece that we've got later well let's just bring it forward let's talk about that because there was a okay. guy that did uh over at forbes.com uh, there was a guy that did some some data analysis around these rotten tomato scores and so on and there's a huge disconnect between the critic score and the audience score and that's it's actually unbelievable to see because it, what he's done, he's put a nice little graph together and he's put every, all of the nine films together and he's put the tomato meter, which is, I think, the, the, the critic score, the aggregated critic score, and then he's got the, the audience score. And if you look at the episodes one to, the, one to seven, the scores are very, very even. There's only about, I don't know, I'd say there's about 20 points difference at most, which is episode three. And then all the other ones, especially the original trilogy, they're very, very close together in terms of their scores. And even uh, The Force Awakens, uh, the critic score was 93, audience was 86, not too far apart. But when you look at The Last Jedi, the, the critic score was crazy. It was 91. And the audience score was only 43. There's a massive swing, massive difference. And then Rise of Skywalker, it completely flips around. You've got the audience score right up at 86, and then the critic scores right down at 54. So you can tell that post The Force Awakens, something really, just something's gone really awry with, um, with Star Wars in general. I, I can't, I, without reading more into it, and this guy's put a pretty decent um, article together and loads of graphs and stuff, but I can't get my head around at the minute without oversimplifying what the reasons are for that. But it does feed into what Daisy's been saying about, you know, and she, she's not a stupid person. She probably gets it. She probably understands that, you know, not everyone's going to like it and all that lot. But I still can't make up my mind whether she's got a decent point around, is it a social media? Can we point the finger solely at social media? I don't think so. But yeah, yeah. I agree with that one. That is a, that's a really good piece as well. Like that, that was one that when we found it and stuck it on the planning board, it was one of those where um, you're like, oh my God, this guy's done some real depth of work on this thing. And if you really skip to the latter two movies, you know, Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi, I think what's fascinating about this, and I think what it really brings out to the fore, is that Star Wars fans generally don't want change. And when, <clears throat> excuse me, I said, when, when you look at the critics really liking The Last Jedi and the fans really, really hating it, it makes me wonder that you know, if you look back in 10, 15 years' time, like we said that The Rise of Skywalker, to most fans, would probably make The Last Jedi better. It pro it didn't because they didn't go the path that we expected. So when people start to look back at The Last Jedi in 10, 15 years, 
will fans start to think to themselves, well, wait a second, Ryan Johnson wasn't actually going against everything we said. Actually, there was so much opportunity to dive into Jedi and Sith law because of how we'd set this up, because of how we'd said, you know, let's let everything die. Does, you know, if you're a writer that that was then coming on to, to, to Rise of Skywalker, you know, the quest is then to make that die or to prove why it shouldn't die. And like the, either of those things becomes very, very interesting. Whereas the Rise of Skywalker was just a bit, eh, like we're not, no, we're not, we're just going to ignore that stuff. Like it doesn't kind of matter. So it does make me wonder whether the critics were, like if you look at the filmmaking of Last Jedi and everything that goes with it, the story beats and the characterizations, for, for, for a 2018 or 2017 audience, which is when it came out, like, it's a pretty fair film. Like, someone like Luke Skywalker, even though we didn't get the badass Luke Skywalker right until the end, and we never got what we wanted in Rise of Skywalker, sadly. For the first part of the sequel trilogy story of Luke Skywalker, actually, it's all right. And it does make you wonder if people, you know, is there going to be fan fiction? Are we going to see people doing more with a Duel of Fate script that brings Skywalker back into the fold and gives him the badassery that we want? You know, I think what I'm trying to say is, like, will fans start to just respect, because of what's happened in The Rise of Skywalker, will they start to respect the fact that, do you know what? Things did need to be shook up a little bit, and we kind of wish we'd supported it a, a tad. And maybe that'll take 20 years like it did with um, The Phantom Menace. Maybe it'll take that long. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Maybe it'll never come. Um, but those Rotten Tomato scores are always fascinating because because of how juxtaposed fans and critics have been on those last two movies. I think that is fascinating, dude. It is, man. Yeah. Um, I might link to this in the show notes because it is a, a really good read. And you can, and the, like you said, the the amount this guy's dived into it and the graph he's knocked up, you can it, you can vi- very visually easily see the the visual swing of the, um, the difference in points of the last two films. So, And it also makes me think, it's a real shame, really, the whole the way that the sequel trilogy and the saga has been wrapped up. Because you would have loved to have had the whole thing finish on a really big, lovely, positive, you know, well-reviewed thing. And it makes me think, so over the past couple of weeks, my wife and I have been doing a big uh, Marvel rewatch uh, through Disney+. Plus. We've watched all the MCU films up to Endgame. And um, I tweeted it afterwards at just how amazing the storytelling is throughout the entire connected stuff. You know, each film has got its own, not all of them are perfect, don't get me wrong, but all each film has got its own, uh, you know, established those characters so well. And then when you have the, the crossover films, the Avengers films, the way that they all link everything together and just the whole uh, cohesive storyline that runs through them, the end, you know, end game is such a satisfying brilliant emotional just amazing wrap up to everything for that phase anyway um it's just brilliant and i'd love to have experienced that with the star wars stuff it just makes me feel like oh it's just a such a missed opportunity for that to feel that way around i don't know it, it just considering they're under the same umbrella as well it's it's very frustrating that we've got feige just just nailing pretty much everything mm-hmm. to do with it and you know so there we go it's um yeah, Daisy's is basically saying uh, she's not happy with uh, the love being lost, but there we go. It is what it is. That. And to the point on the, the MCU as well, just to kind of finish up on that one, the, 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 the overarching point with that was like it started a little bit like Star Wars did. 
you know, the Iron Man, no one expected it to become... You know, they've, they've come out and said it. They, they didn't expect it to become an interconnected universe. They threw Nick Fury in just as a bit of fan service. Like, if you look at the interviews, it wasn't intended. None of it was intended. And then when, when it became intended, they did it with intention. And I know that sounds very um, bizarre and maybe even a little bit contrived, but very clearly when they realised that people like that, then they did it with intent. And they tested it and teased it with some of the Marvel shorts that they don't do anymore, like, you know, when Coulson goes off to find Thor's hammer. The tiny bits of connectivity that weren't part of the main film. They weren't even, like, the, the, the one where he goes off to find Thor's hammer wasn't even part of an end credits. That's right, yeah. yeah. But it's those it little bits, short. though, isn't it? It's those little bits that put all the jigsaw together nicely. Yeah, and then yeah. think about what Star Wars has let slip. Comics, TV shows, books. Like, dude, the book work that they did, as we know, we've talked about it a thousand times, was outstanding. And then they, they just forgot it. They just forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's, it's, the, it's the fact that they're under the same umbrella that makes you think, oh, my word. Like, this is... Sure, the MCU has got all this territory to explore from the 1930s or 40s. But... It doesn't have this rich character history on film and this you know, they've created that fandom because they got rid of Spider Man. They got rid of the rights to Daredevil, they got rid of the rights to Blade and the X Men and they got rid of it. So they had to they had to work with the B list and the C list. Iron Man was B list and C list, and suddenly he's A list. Mm -hmm. So to work with Star Wars, which was already A list, it's almost like uh it's 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 almost like that gave them that complacency, like, well, it is Star Wars, so it's going to earn a billion anyway. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And you would have thought that if this was your... We're no experts in this field, obviously. I'm, I'm taking a punt at this, but if you were, if you were the, the dude, Iger, I suppose, just pull a name out there. If you were the dude who was <laughs> overseeing everything and you've got such a smash hit with all the MCU stuff, and then when The Last Jedi hits, you're like, oh, crikey, we're not sure about this one. Surely you would think like, right, we've got to pull some people across here. Feige, do me a favour. I know you're busy, but can you spare a week to go and sit with these guys? Just make sure, well, not make sure, but just like throw your two cents in. Hear, hear what they've got in terms of what they've got planned with story and everything. You know, is this going to work? You're like the dude that manages like the cross, everything. You know, you're obviously very good at that stuff. Just go and sit in for a day, see what's going on. Do you agree with the story? Is it all good? I don't think anything like that happened. And as a, again, as an oversimplification, as a business owner, if you were, you know, running Disney, surely you'd put your best people to pull that out of the hole. Because from The Last Jedi, you could see from the reaction and the, the disparity in the scores between, you know, fans and critics and so on, you'd be like, we've missed it. We've missed something here. It's not clicking. Something's not quite right. And if we go down this path, we're going to wrap up the trilogy on a on a downer. And they have done because the, the Rise of Skywalker is the out of the three of the sequel trilogy is the one that's earned the least amount of money for them. Mm. I know it's not all about dollars, but you know it's a big part of it. So it is, man. Yeah, you think you draft over like you know some of your best people to to help, not to not to barge in and take over, but just say, look. Let's get as many eyeballs on this as possible. The best talent. And even get yeah. like people, even get people that are very clearly talented people that have been involved in Star Wars as DNA since day one, you know, and, and then, 
you know, the, the JJ Abrams consulted with Lucas on it. So then bring someone like Filoni in significantly more. Even someone like Sam Witwer, who's basically like the biggest Star Wars fanboy. And just just start to understand, okay, look, we've worked on The Last Jedi. It didn't click, but we've got an opportunity to make it click by paying off these five things from The Force Awakens, these five things from The Last Jedi, bring them together, let them pay off. And that is not... As a Star Wars fan, I said it with a Justice League movie, dude, this is not difficult. Like, this is not difficult. Because to make a, if you make a Star Wars movie that a Star Wars fans love... Non-Star Wars fans are going to love it. How do we know that? Because they liked Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that clear. Yeah. And it's a, that's another missed opportunity as well. I know we're dragging this one out, but that's another missed opportunity is that when you look at, when you involve people like Filoni, you get stuff like The Mandalorian. So it's it's just crystal clear that when you involve people that have got, so when George Lucas sort of passed the torch, I suppose, to Filoni, which he kind of did, I suppose. Um, when you have people like that involved in something, it just becomes amazing. And everybody, I think The Mandalorian has been reviewed so well and so well received because of that talent. And just involve as many people as you can. Like I'm thinking, like even people that you wouldn't expect, like Carl Newman, who's such a massive, you know, who directed Fanboys, which obviously is a borderline sort of satirical you know, a bit of a spoof. However, the whole point of that film was about Star Wars fans. And he knew the fandom. He, he knows what's, what real Star Wars fans are looking for, what turns them off, you know, what they, what they, uh, what, what, what Disney might view as you know, this amazing thing. He, he knows because he's part of that fanboy thing. He's like, actually, no, no, that's a bit of a, you've, you've missed the mark there a little bit. So I would say, yeah, man, I think we've circled round on this a few times when we've spoken about this stuff, but it feels like they just didn't involve good, decent. And that, that, that sounds really terrible to the people that were involved making it. And I'm not saying that they're not talented or anything like that. It just felt, feels like they should have involved a few more people just to get yeah, some people that Because I think you need, for, for a movie like this, you know, the thing that has made the Marvel universe so interesting is look at, so the Russos, you know, they got involved at what, Winter Soldier? Yes. And then Winter Soldier did its thing, and that was, up to that point, the best MCU film by a, a long stretch. Um, and, you know, Feige and, and even, like, Jeff Loeb and, and the people running the TV studios, like, lent into the Russos and then brought Russos on for everything that they did in some way, like Infinity War, boom, Endgame, boom. Captain America, uh, the third one, whatever it was called, Civil War. You know, all these, they, they, they recognized that this thing worked. Let's not keep doing it, but let's bring the people in that understood the DNA of it and why it worked. Yeah. And that's, again, what these get, you know, the, the Russos are to, to MCU, what Filoni and even probably Favreau are to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, at this yep. point. So it's, it's, you're right. It's just, they brought the right talent in, but they didn't underpin it with, didn't underpin it with the people that already knew what made it work, like you said. So yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think this, this, this will rage on for years, I think. <laughs> yeah. And also lastly, they should have just Abrams that start to finish should have had a big time continuous. Yeah. Anyway. So 
that's our rant over on that stuff. Uh, I'm, I think is Daisy off socials now? I think she might have come off it. I'm not sure, but they all do that, don't they? For yeah. a, you know, for a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll let you know what's happening when she comes back as Ray, which she inevitably will do in like 10, 15 years time, sitting there on Tatooine. I don't know, smoking a pipe or something. When it all kicks do you think off, she will. do you think she'll come back? Of course, with, uh, of course she will. Yeah. Think about it, dude. Think about think about how the Force Awakens came about, even without the Disney buyout. You've it's not the same thing as when we had that time period between Jedi and Phantom Menace, but you know that's going to happen at some point, dude. It's bound to happen. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, some casting news. Let's move on. The the uh, it's the Disney Plus series that has been planned around the Rogue One stuff has had Stellan Skarsgård and Kyle Soller cast to join Diego Luna. Now, I was not that I was unaware, but I thought this was a rumor, the whole Rogue One thing, because I think at the moment Disney are doing a pretty good job of juggling balls up in the air, but not telling us anything concrete. So this is another one of those projects which is apparently planned for Disney+. Plus. And uh, yeah, so the um, this is the whole, I think this is the Cassian Andor series, I think, which is set around the Rogue One uh, time period. I think it leads up, I think uh, the, towards the end of the Cassian Andor stuff, it's, it's inevitably going to lead into the, the Rogue One film. But Stellan Skarsgård, he's, he's a pretty good, uh, solid actor, actually. He's got a buckets of experience in terms of franchise stuff involved in the Pirates of the Caribbean films and uh, just a ton of TV work and obviously the MCU stuff. So he's got buckets of experience when it concerns big stuff, big franchise stuff. So that's all good. And he's just a solid guy as well. I think in terms of uh, it's uh, acting chops, it's great to have someone like this aboard. In, in a similar vein, when we spoke about The Mandalorian in the early days, when we spoke about someone like Carl Weathers coming aboard, you've got that old school you know, solid acting stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I've not heard of, um, Kyle Soller before. I may have missed who that is. Or you might say to me, yeah, it's this guy. And I'm like, oh yeah, but I've, I've not heard of him before, but, uh, but that's another, another good thing. As long as we keep the ball moving, even like during lockdown and COVID-19, as long as we keep the momentum going, I suppose it's all good. But, uh, old Skarsgård, you like this guy? Yeah, man, he's like you said, he's uh, he's one of the just the old school, you know, and he's a, he's a he's an actor's actor. From what I can tell, I mean, I'm not an actor, I don't know, but he seems to be like an no. actor's actor. Like the actors respect him as well. Um, so he's you're right, he's just that guy, isn't he? He's 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 been in everything. You can you can throw him into a, a genre role, into a franchise like the MCU or Star Wars or whatever, and you know you're not pissed off that he's in that. And at the same time, you can you can see him on stage, like in the West End doing King Lear or, and he, he like, he's that guy, isn't he? He's like a Ian McKellen style, Patrick Stewart style luminary of the, of the, of the craft. So yeah, I'm all over this dude. The other guy, no idea. Um, but Skarsgård, yeah, Bob on, I think he's great. And I think th- this cast is becoming really interesting because, you know, Pedro Pascal, he's been in a heck of a lot of stuff, but he's under a mask, mm-hmm. you know, he's under a mask until IG 11 pops it. And, then you've got, like, Giancarlo Esposito is a fairly well-known face thanks to Breaking Bad. And there was a few other people like Cara, what's her, what's her 
what's her name? You know, the MMA person. Um, who played Carrig. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Yeah. Um, Can't remember her name. I know who you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah played Cara Doom or whatever it was. And, um, like, they're, they're, de- they're all decent. They're all decent. And th- But there was no real heavy hitter in season one, which is kind of nice. It was like... Uh, it was almost like a, a like a Superman style casting where no one's that big a name apart from someone like a Gene Hackman. Where oh okay, there's one guy holding the fort down that we know, but he's not the main 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 guy, you know. And then Carl Weathers popped up, but now season two, suddenly you've got Stellan Skarsgård, you've got Michael Byrne, who's you know genre everyone everyone that's a geek knows Michael Byrne. Then you've got Rosario Dawson, who everyone really probably will recognise even if you don't know the name. Um, and it it just it's just fascinating that they're adding a lot more big names to these characters as opposed to like casting unknowns and letting the characters do the work. I, I don't know. It feels like they're upping the ante with the marketing. Like the Mandalorian season one got its due because it was the Mandalorian, and it's oh wow, look at this. But if we do more of the same, like everyone's aware of this now. Yes, everyone knows yeah. it's good. So now we've got to let's bring the names in. Let's bring the dogs in, you know, let's let's really kind of up the game a little bit. So I think that's quite curious casting, that sort of thing. Um, and the problem, I don't think, the, I know they're in, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure. I know they've, they've kind of finished production on season two in terms of filming. Um, but I don't know if they'll go back and do reshoots or whatever for this sort of thing. But um, I think it's I think it's really, really cool to see the bigger name as being added, dude. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the, when you when you kick off Disney Plus, their Star Wars journey, starting with the Mandalorian, you've that's that would have. I'm not saying it would have automatically done well. I don't want to fall into that trap that perhaps Disney have in the past, where because it's Star Wars, it's going to be great. It genuinely is a great story and a great series. So now you've got to you've got to ramp up in a similar way to Marvel, really, with Iron Man. That was a that was a great introductory film to everything. But then, like you said, when you start to clock on that the fans are really up for it, and especially the connected stuff, that's when you start, right, okay, now we're going to start ramping up everything. And there were some massive names in the Marvel films moving forward, huge names. So you can tell that they, they're doing that kind of, that curve where well, like, now we're going to start bringing in the big guns, like big names, to really cement and give it some credibility in terms of, not credibility in the genre, but in terms of just having a... a a solid cast throughout all of these Disney plus programs. So it's great dude. And then the other guy that's been cast is, um, Alan, uh, Tudyk or Tudyk. I can't, I can't pronounce oh, it. Alan Tudyk. Tudyk is it? Yeah. Uh, and he follows one of his best roles I've ever seen, which is, um, the, the pirate character from dodgeball. So everything's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He was K2SO, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Was he- was he, he was, yeah, K2SO, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, some decent casting news. And then speaking of The Mandalorian, the show has been confirmed for a third season, which is great. So season two hasn't even landed yet. Like you said, they're still in production. I think they're in. They're going to move into post-production and all that stuff uh, really soon. I think that lands in October, or is scheduled to land in October season two. But that's not even landed yet, and we're already uh, going to be back for a third season next year which is awesome news. So we don't know anything yet about what the storyline is for obvious reasons, because we haven't gone season two yet. We don't know what the storyline is going to be characters, any of that stuff. However, it is great news because we've got season two that will be coming later on this year. And now we've got something to look forward to 
next year, which is obviously going to join the Obi-Wan series and whatever else they've got working uh, behind the scenes there. So surprised by this, mate? I'm not surprised by this one. I, I think we're going to see a, a couple more seasons after this as well, but it's great news that we've got this coming in, in 2020. You didn't want the, you don't want the train to stop all of a sudden. No, no, no. It's, it's nice to just, um, you know, during these times, like if you think back to 2008, when the whole recession hit and then there was the writer's strike, the SAG writer's strike, like it killed a lot of shows. Um, it killed a heck of a lot of shows. There were only certain shows that really survived that and, you know, dropped into short seasons, Smallville, some of the genre shows, Supernatural. Um, so for this, you know, give, given what's going on in the world now with with, with uh, coronavirus and everything and been on lockdown and everything stopped, like it's, it stopped Cobra Kai season two coming out in April, uh, uh, season three, which is killer. And I, I think it, this is a right choice to start announcing this stuff even before Mando season two is even out because like you said, it keeps the train rolling. Plus, you know, it's a very, it's a, it's a weird time for Disney Plus because... You know, they've got to show that they're producing some original stuff, which I know we'll get onto in a sec, but, you know, they, they've released this thing and, and it's arguably a great piece of timing given that everyone's in lockdown, but it's arguably a terrible piece of timing because everyone's everyone's thinking, crap, am I able to afford everything that I could afford before? So you've got this real weird, um, almost a business obligation to market your ass through this thing if you're an entertainment provider. It's like, no, 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 you know, that five quid a month, no, can, cancel Netflix, because look, we are good, because we've got Mando season three, we've already <laughs> signed on to it, like, we ain't going anywhere, we're good. So what a what a weird time to be marketing a streaming service like this, and I think that ties into The Mandalorian season three. I, I, I think, had it been any other time, I don't think this season three would have been announced until maybe six weeks before season two came out and it, all the marketing would have been season two oriented. And I think this is just a longevity thing. So it's great for us because we love it. Yes. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, dude. In terms of, in terms of streaming as a, a, a being a streaming company, an entertainment provider, you absolutely need to be nailing this stuff because one of the things that is, uh, it's a fair point, actually, is when Disney Plus landed, they're obviously competing with Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, those guys, and Hulu over in the States and so on. You've got to give people something because the the, the catalogue of stuff that Disney Plus ships with, which is admittedly great, all of the Marvel stuff, Star Wars, Pixar, all of that stuff is great, but that's finite. There's there's only there's going to be a certain period of time where lots of fans are like, well, I've watched everything now. I've I've gone back and I've rewatched all the Pixar stuff, which was lovely, and all the original Disney films. And I've had it's been awesome. Like myself, it's been awesome watching the Marvel stuff again and all that stuff. And I'm probably going to rewatch Star Wars regularly, so that's good. But do I want to pay five pounds a month to watch Star Wars regularly when I've got the Blu-ray sitting on the shelf there? So they've got to when that dries up, all of that content and the library's huge. But when that dries up, they've got to be like pushing these things and like, don't worry, we've got this coming. We've got that coming. Mando season three is on the way. Don't worry. We've got all this stuff announced. My only concern dude is that they, cause Disney have, they've got a bit of a habit over the last year or so of saying something like, this is awesome news. This is coming. It's going to be great. And then two months later, it's like, this has fallen apart <laughs> because that producers left that showrunners left due to creative differences. We fired the director. 
this guy's dropped out, you know, all that stuff. So um, I hope that they iron all that stuff out and these announcements just become sort of 99% concrete. So we know like excellent that Mando's coming next year. And the thing with the Obi-Wan as well, like they had to, as we all know, stick a pin in that because the scripts weren't right. So hopefully these announcements will, will carry through. But you're absolutely right, dude. They've got, they've really got to, uh, to do it in this weird time. And it is a weird time. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to be the person or the people that were, had the success of Disney plus on their shoulders. Cause you would have thought, right, great. 2020 in the UK and in Europe, we're now like worldwide pretty much with Disney plus let's start raking in the, the pounds and the euros and everything. And then COVID-19 hits and you're like, ah, oh, crap, this is going to put a serious dent if we don't manage this properly. So it is good. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's interesting from that, from the coronavirus side, from the, the old COVID side, because like I said, in on one hand, it's amazing because everyone's staying in and thinking, ooh, we're going to binge stuff. And then on the other side, you're like, well, crap, can I pay all the bills? You know, everyone, you know, it, it, there are a heck of a lot of people that are struggling and been furloughed. And just what a, what a, what a um, balance of things to be juggling. You know, what a, what a bizarre set of circumstances. And I do think it'll impact, impact some of the content decisions, which rightly, sure, rightly so, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, the, the the win for for Disney Plus would have been to have something like Falcon and Winter Soldier and the Obi Wan series ready for May, like if th- that would have just it would have it would have hockey sticked Disney Plus yeah. theoretically instead of it just being a well not again. So it does. I know you can't ever account for these things like COVID nineteen, but it makes you th- makes you realize that all that stuff that you just mentioned around Disney backtracking and tweaking and always getting things wrong, like that sort of stuff, is probably coming back to bite them in the ass a little bit now. Um, but yeah, regardless, you know, we got some, we got some season three to look forward to. Indeedy. And moving on with some Mandalorian news, there's this really cool docu-series coming on Star Wars Day, May the 4th over on Disney Plus. It's a new series called Disney Gallery, and it's a deep dive into the behind the scenes and making of stuff. And they're doing the first one around the Mandalorian. So for eight weeks, for a couple of months, we're going to have a nice little, uh, uh, show drop on Disney Plus. And this looks very cool, dude, because I think I love this stuff. I, I love the whole documentary making of stuff. And I know a lot of fans do. But The Mandalorian's got this very if if you're interested in filmmaking and you've watched behind the scenes and making of special features on films for the past, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, you would have seen a very similar way of making these types of films where you have a bunch of actors in front of blue or green screens. They're composited together, and then you, that, that's how it was done. With The Mandalorian, they, the, the, uh, I'm, the guys at Lucasfilm slash Disney, I suppose, really pumped a ton of money into the research stuff behind the set work. And I didn't realize this until I, I saw a couple of YouTube videos a couple of months ago on it, where you've got not the internal sets, but the scenes that you see with the Mandalorian outside, like in the canyons and, you know, the Tatooine stuff, that's all a set. I, I, I thought that they either went on location and did that stuff, which I think they did a little bit, or they green screened it. But what they actually did was, and you can, there's a trailer, I'll link it in the show notes, there's a trailer that they've put out and it shows some of this stuff where you've got the Mandalorian sitting on, there's like a rocky outcrop sort of thing. And you assume that the all of the expanse of landscape behind them is either green screen 
all the one location, but there's this huge video wall. It's like, I don't know, like 75 feet high. And it's a curved video wall that goes all the way around the entire set. And it's playing back a ridiculously high resolution, like 16K digital, you know, uh, HDR screen. So all of the actors and everything, when they look, when they stand on set and turn 360, they're seeing what we're seeing as well. So they're seeing like this high resolution, high quality playback. And then they've got like these little cameras that poke around the top and little lighting rigs and stuff. And it's fascinating to see, dude, because the actors for a long time, actors have said, acting in these kinds of films, and a lot of the Marvel actors have said it well, where there's loads of green screen and loads of visual effects. It's great, but it's very difficult to do because you've got nothing to base your, you've got no response from anything. You've got nothing. You have to really sort of engage your imagination to do it, which is fair enough. But then in The Mandalorian, you don't really have that because what the audience sees in the final product you're seeing as well. So you can act off of it and everything. It's really, really cool. And if memory serves, I think they tried, they trialed this a little bit in solo. So in some of the Falcon scenes where they're sitting in a cockpit and you've got the star field out of the windows and when they go into hyperspace, and everything sort of kicks in. Normally that would be green screen, but they put a high resolution screen and did it that way as well. So this stuff is fascinating, man. So this is going to drop on, uh, yeah, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. I assume you're going nice. to watch these, dude. I will watch these. And that tech, that tech really is interesting. I think we've mentioned it right at the early days of the Mando coming out because it was, um, they made a pretty big deal of it. Like, I think it's the first, the first show that's done this. Um, and it just, it looks amazing to be able to do it and, you know, to, to be able to create that kind of thing. It's like, it's just that next evolution, isn't it? And, and, um, like you said, it's really fascinating to be able to see this. So yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be well up for this. Um, also curious to see what else uses this kind of technology, like pushing the boundaries of this. I think that's going to be very interesting from a, not only from a Star Wars perspective, but it's, it's very interesting because it means that you'll get, I guess, theoretically, you'll get a slightly higher budget feel for a much lower budget investment, which means that the quality of everything that uses this should jump up. You know, I'm thinking Falcon, Winter Soldier, uh, Division in particular, which is supposed to be very, very kind of eclectic, very kind of... Um, Dali-esque, you know, very mm. surreal, very, um, you know, you, you know what I'm saying with that, very, very kind of, just that surrealism. And I, I, it, makes, it makes it interesting to me because they can, you should be able to do more with the show because that is there. So yeah, really, really interesting. Looking forward to that on May the 4th. Indeed, yeah. And one thing I didn't realise either is that they took this to another level and they've, the whole ceiling of the set is a big video as well. So you not only have you got the backdrop, but you've also got the sky the skybox above you is one massive screen. Uh, it's, it's awesome, dude. Anyway, I won't gush over that too much, but that's going May 4th. Um, uh, in terms of Star Wars gameage, we spoke a couple of episodes back about limited run games, and they had put out the special edition of the retro game Star Wars Jedi Knight 2. Uh, those guys have now ramped up their marketing a little bit. They've got a whole slew of those retro games. So they've now got the... Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast game. They've also got the Jedi Knight series continuation, which was Jedi Academy. That's now on there as well. And they've got various different versions for the PlayStation 4, the Nintendo Switch, and the PC. And you can pick up various different box arts or just single editions and so on. And uh, these are 
selling pretty quick. They always do the limited run stuff because the packaging design is so lovely. It's officially licensed, but they've got their own freelancers to do artwork for it and stuff. It looks really cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the, um, yeah, so I'll link this in the show notes. But if you're a fan of those Jedi Knight games, this is probably the best edition that you could buy in terms of physical media. So I know that Jedi Knight and Jedi Academy have been on the PlayStation Store over the last few months, and they were already on Xbox, I believe. But if you're after, if you're one of these guys that loved your physical media and your box art because it looks cool on the shelf, these are very, very cool. The Jedi Knight, Jedi, uh, Jedi Outcast game in particular, the box art for that is really, really nice. And if you want to, if you've got the beans, you can buy the entire Jedi Knight Mega Bundle. You'll get every version, every platform for six hundred dollars. So. That'll look lovely on the old shelf, dude. Did you pick up? Um, did you pick up Jedi Knight for your Switch? Pretty sure you did, but you haven't played it yet, right? No, no, not yet. Um, All right. The reason is that I've, I'm modern warfare up, aren't I? So I'm smashing the campaign on modern warfare and then multiplaying, getting my ass uh, kicked by twelve-year-old yeah. American guys. Um, so I'm doing that at the minute, and I need to. I, do you know what I bought? Actually, it was on sale. I bought the remastered Ghostbusters for the Switch. So I'm going to smash through that, which is amazing. And then I'm going to move on to some of these, like the Phantom Menace, uh, sorry, Episode 1 Racer. I'll probably get to these, like, it'll take me two years. So give me a chance. But the, the artwork on these do look badass, dude. Um, like, it's almost worth just buying a couple of them just to have on the shelf because as a collector, you know, in a display case, because they do look really, really, really sweet. Yeah, they do. I love these. I'm thinking about ordering the the, the PS4, the Jedi, Jedi Knight 2. Or even the double one, that with Jedi Academy, I'm not sure. It just looks so cool, man. I don't know. But anyway, I'll link to the show notes. Some very, very, very nice looking box art there for those Star Wars games. Uh, I'm going to rattle through a few of these news stories because we, uh, we've had these in the list for a couple of weeks now. And if we don't do them, we're not going to get around to them. So first of all, um, the, uh, some, a couple of the editors that worked on The Last Jedi have criticised the storytelling a little bit, uh, saying that they try to undo the franchise and the whole Force thing and so on. So two of the editors that worked on the on the uh, the Last Jedi, I believe the sequel trilogy, to some degree, um, we had um, uh, Marianne Brandon and Mary Jo Markey. They were on a podcast, an unrelated Star Wars podcast. It was called Light the Fuse, which is actually a Mission Impossible podcast. I didn't even know one existed. Um, but uh, they were just on there just to talk about working with J.J. Abrams, I believe, because they've worked on um, some of his films over the past 10 years. And inevitably, the, the Star Wars question came up. And um, Brandon said, um, Marianne Brandon said, uh, it was a different take on the saga uh, and to Ryan's credit, he stuck to what he wanted to do and he wanted to deconstruct the film and open it up to a different direction. This is the film he made. I know it's controversial, but it isn't that kind of good in a way. And then he goes on, uh, she goes on to add, that's why I feel very much in hindsight that the trilogy, the last part, needed one vision. And then Marky goes on to say, I couldn't agree more. It's very strange to have a second film so consciously undo the storytelling of the first one. I'm sorry, that's just how it felt. So in a nutshell, what they're saying is Ryan Johnson basically said, right, I know that The Force Awakens was fan servicey. It was all lovely, very nice, but I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. 
that then left JJ with a massive conundrum, like, what the hell do I do with this? We kind of had a vision. Then he went off in a completely different direction. Now I've got to try and steer it back to try and round up the trilogy in a way that's like, okay, how do we please fans that hated The Last Jedi, but how do we also do something, you know, innovative with like bringing characters back, I suppose, and all that stuff. So there we go. A couple of the editors that worked on it on that podcast are like, yeah, it was great, but, you know, us and a lot of other people are like, you know, we kind of needed one narrative, one vision for that. So fair enough, dude. Yeah, it's a weird one, that, isn't it? Like, yes, everyone needed one narrative, but also, like, it's a bit bollocks. So it's the last film that's the problem. absolutely. freaking lootly Yeah, one narrative would have been amazing. But if you've got two carrots and some taties, you're making carrot and taties, dude. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Taties. That- yeah. Taters. Like, that's all you've got. you just got to work with what you've got. Like, the output is is equal to what you put in. And, you know, if they, if someone pushes in Force Awakens, then pushes in Last Jedi, what comes out needs to continue the stories of them both. Because they, this is the uh, very interesting thing with these two films. Force Awakens was over here doing its one thing, and Last Jedi was over here doing its other thing. They were just two chapters. And they were just, two, like the continuation of the rebel story, you know, the, the resistance story was kind of fine because it's a little bit like empire, you know, mm. Oh, we're being hunted. We just carry on running like that bit was all right. Then you had the Luke Skywalker bit, which was just a chapter over there, right over there on another place. Like the last film, just for me, I, I, I do get what they're saying about needing one narrative vision. I get that. And that would have been ideal, but that last movie, had all of the chances through the writing to bring those two together. The Force Awakens was very much, here's a faction of neo-Nazis trying to do the thing that the other bad guys tried to do. And look, here are the same guys from before inspiring a new generation, which is kind of what The Last Jedi did. Look, here's the Force stuff, and here's why we shouldn't do it anymore, because it's bad. Look at all the hubris. Look at all this Palpatine stuff. Like Sidious got in and we were silly. We didn't even see that. Oh, and guess what? At the end, we're inspiring a new generation. You just bring the two together. <laughs> it doesn't feel that hard, does it? So I get, I really get what they're saying about this narrative thing. But I, and I know we've, you know, we've we've gone in on Ryan Johnson, and I think some of the stuff he said is is a bit mental. But and the way he's acted is a little bit nuts. But right now. I don't see how those two movies and the output of Rise of Skywalker can be blamed in particular on The Last Jedi trying to quote-unquote undo stuff. Because I'm not sure that it did. I think it was maybe Ryan Johnson just... And I might this might be naive, and I'm sure it is, but it might just be Ryan Johnson believing that Disney would do something on the back of his movie. <laughs> which is, you'd think that's what he was promised. That sounds very likely. Once he had pitched what he wanted to do. Because yeah, oh, yeah. no one forces Iger, do they? Oh, Kathleen Kennedy's not. not like, oh crap, Ryan Johnson's come with this. I've not got the heart to tell him no. Exactly. Yeah. So he would have pitched that and they would have gone, okay, yeah, we like that. We can we can work with that. It's all good. Sounds good. A lot of people aren't going to like it, but change is good. Gotta do it. Uh, and it doesn't even it wasn't that big a change. It was just more like, look, here's an alternative look at this. Mm-hmm. Because look at all this stuff that happened in the prequels. Luke is kind of right. Yeah, and man. then yep. 
but what they didn't do, this is where the payoff didn't come is, Luke was very quickly back to, not very quickly, but, you know, he, he had the Force visions and all that, all the, you know, the feelings and everything that brought him back to connecting with the Force. They just never paid that off in Rise of Skywalker, so they never gave The Last Jedi the, Last Jedi the chance to set its new direction and stick to it for a little bit. It's like a... It's you know it's like you like you're driving like Mario Kart right you you know you you go down a road and you know Toad goes left Mario goes right they all get the boxes they do the thing they have their little story on this little bit of road but then they dovetail at the end ready for the finish line you know it's that and and they didn't they just carried on going in separate directions. I think I like the carrot and, and potatoes analogy best. Oh, do you carrot carrot and taties cock? Oh, we've got some carrot and taties later. Oh, lovely. Carrot and taters. Early on in the show, Mark said that he'd put on weight. And this is, this is, now he's finding out everything's a food analogy. Everything's about what's for dinner later. Or Gino's. I'm still very, very, very startlingly sexy, but I'm just, I'm carrying a bit more with it. That's No one's disputing that, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, does that prove that people aren't blind? Yeah, what's that prove? People got eyes. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> right, going to wrap very quickly. Um, Leslie Headland has been hired to write and be showrunner for a new project on Disney Plus. Like everything to do with Disney, we have no idea <laughs> what this project is when exactly it's coming out. But we assume at least next year. But she was the writer of a series on Netflix called Russian Doll. She's been hired by Disney to do this new project that's coming. We have the new Star Wars movie is still planned for 2022, despite all of the big, big delays over at Disney, uh, not just because of COVID-19, but just some other bits that's been going on. Apparently, that 2022 film is still happening. So they've literally got 18 months to do all of that in a, to, to bring a brand new film. And we have no idea what it's even called or anything like that. So we don't know. Uh, Anthony Daniels reads an R2-D2 and C-3PO story over on the Disney's YouTube channel. That's all very nice cute and sweet we'll link to that and if you want some alternative covers for your star wars rise of skywalker blu-rays over on starwars.com they've released these high resolution printouts that you can print them out trim them up and you've got these nice alternative covers so that is what else has been happening over on star wars and i think we'll do their bud for uh 53 you can print your own covers yeah this is old school man this is going back to when people owned printers for a start and you can, yeah, you, know, you can just print them off, cut them up, you know, trim them, and insert them into your uh, Blu-ray, your Blu-ray cover case. Why Sorry. would you do that? <laughs> well, this is to uh, just to make it look like, you know, that stuff is still going <sighs> on over at the Star Wars camp. What a thing to do! Yeah, and they've given you little instructions and stuff <laughs> on where to fold it properly and all that jazz. I get that it's crafty and it's cool to be able to craft it, but. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolute rubbish don't hate on the custom covers man i love a custom cover but i don't know i mean this is just <laughs> like imagine that someone with an epson printer that's running out of yellow ink and <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what i mean like you get the, the old printer. exactly you get the and you get that nice little image of the stormtroopers on the bikes and chewy with a bow and the bowcaster and 3po and finn and poe and the sand's blue because your printer's run out of yellow. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, come on, that is that is that's 
that's scraping that is scraping. I was going to say that's this is what's known as scraping the barrel, dude. But then that again, is scraping. <laughs> then again, that is that. Tw- <laughs> Go on. If one of your toner cartridges is running out a bit, at least you can match the color grading of the uh, Saga on Blu-ray. Yeah, exactly. So you could just go through and be like, oh, Christ, I'm going to have to print all six or nine of these things, actually. Got to print them all now. Yeah. Here we go. That's it, yeah. So on that note, yeah, we are going to do there for 53. It's been great having everybody aboard for another week as we chat through plenty of Star Wars. We had a couple of rants there, dude. We went a little bit, um, a little bit Palpatine, which is good. <laughs> well, when you get a microphone, and you get unlimited power, don't you? You can say what you want, no one can say anything to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are the classic example of what we said earlier, which is just because you have an internet connection and a method of getting getting text out into the world doesn't mean you should do it like we've just we've just exemplified that perfectly so yeah sorry mum for us and i know i know you're not listening mum so just be like that with great power and all that yeah yeah Uh, it's been great chatting through all of the star wars stuff uh next week i imagine we'll do more of the same depending on what's going on we might even get to some review and discussion we'll see uh yes but until then we would love to have you as a subscriber, so to head over to whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on, give us a search and a sub over there, or go to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. And uh, if you've got a minute to leave a review and a rating, that would be awesome, because that really helps us out loads of discoverability and all that jazz. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Give us a search and a like and a follow and all that stuff over there. We chat Star Wars during the week. And if you'd like to support the show, if you like what we do here, head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion and jump onto various tiers there. Get yourself some SOR swag, executive producer credits. If you want to do that, we'll get you on the show. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll chat Star Wars and whatever subject uh, you want to do that stuff. Or let us know what you want to do for the random spotlight. We'll bring that back to any of our patrons that want to uh, whatever tier that is. It's all just good stuff, and um, yeah, we'd love our current patrons as well, so thank you so much for your continued support, our current patrons, waving at you, sending lots of love. Thank you very much. Until next week, bud, for episode 54. It's been great chatting as always. Always a pleasure, dude. Glad you're back in the seat and able to stay in the seat for longer than two minutes. It's always good, my man. Thanks for having us. Indeedy. I'm off to make a cup of tea and play some Battlefront 2. Until then, next week, take care of yourselves, stay indoors, Stay healthy and may the force be with you always. Carrots and taters. <laughs>